Customer experience. It's what sets some of the best companies apart from the rest, yet it can often be hard to achieve. Tune in monthly as we uncover the secrets behind great customer experience. This is Experience Better, the CX Podcast. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Experience Better, the CX Podcast. I'm your host, Alfred Sawatsky, Director of Product Management at Kubra. Just a note about today's episode. At the time of recording, we are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Since we are all practicing responsible social distancing, we are recording from our respective homes rather than a studio, so the sound quality may not be as good as usual. Thank you for your understanding. On that note, let's get to the show. It's not uncommon for customers to only interact with their utilities just once or twice a year, and it's usually because there's a power outage. That's why outage communications are critical in creating a positive customer experience. Being able to provide customers with the information they need, when they need, can make or break a customer relationship. Georgia Power, an industry leader in customer satisfaction, has outage communications down to a science. Today, we're talking to John Zambato, senior engineer at Georgia Power, to tell us how the company successfully communicates with its 2.6 million customers during outages. Uh, thanks for joining us today, John. Hi, Alfred. Uh, thanks for inviting me to the show. So we plan to cover a lot of ground today as it relates to customer communications. But before we dive in, could you walk us through a little bit about your, uh, your role at Georgia Power and how you are involved in outage communications? Sure. Um, um, my role is as a senior engineer, I'm, I'm responsible for all, all the outage communication from Georgia Power's perspective to our customers. That includes the outage map uh, and all the posting of outage information to customers and all the outage notifications. Uh, that includes the text, email, and the automated voice communications. So I help manage it, make sure it runs and is as accurate and concise as possible. That sounds good. So you already mentioned the outage communication channels. You mentioned text, email, and voice. Are you, um, I guess, doing or exploring other channels or like, I mean, it seems like a lot of people are doing like Alexa or smart speakers and stuff like that. Um, we're looking into that, but not right now. We're, we're focused on other things in terms of, and I guess we'll, we can talk about this a little bit later um, about improving the, the message content and some of those details for customers. Mm -hmm. um, but primarily we're, we're, we're focused on just trying to get, um, the information to customers so that they can find it uh, useful. Um, specifically now, everybody's home. Uh, the, the time period or the response time for our crews to respond to customer outages is uh, kind of under pressure now mm -hmm. uh, because people are, before the most people were at work, they didn't really see the whole total impact of, a, of an outage. But when they have all their family, the dog, the cat, uh, and their kids uh, at home uh, becomes an aggravation and their patience gets a little shorter. So um, 
that's that's a big challenge for us. I can imagine or they're they're looking out the front window saying, "Why isn't the crew here yet?" Right. Or what 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 really happens is they don't see a crew at all because oh, yeah. the outages occurred at the at the front of their neighborhood there in the back, and so they're it's been two hours. How come I, how come I don't see any crews working? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that sounds like, uh, a, definitely a communication or, uh, education type of challenge. Um, so you mentioned a, a bunch of channels, so text, email, voice, uh, outage maps, just different ways of communicating with the customers. Do you have a sense of which channels are more preferred by customers? Than others, uh, texting is obviously the most preferred preferred channel for our customers. Um, we do have some other additional systems in place. We have an online, what we call online customer care system, where customers can log in and kind of they can look at their bill status and usage, and they can also see the current status of their power outage. We integrate um, you know, the outage communication details. To that system, it both goes to notify and to the outage map, and then it also goes to our internal system. So, depending how the customer logs in or accesses their account information, there's consistency uh, across both channels. Likewise, the communication goes to our customer information system, where customers can, or our customer service reps actually. Um, can respond to customer calls directly and see the same message. So we kind of integrate that core message that we send out to the map and to uh, customers directly if they subscribe to it uh, across all these channels. So depending on how the customer interfaces with our systems and or our customer service representatives, they get the same message. Um, I'm going to go back to channels a bit again as it relates to social media. So I know um, social media was not one of the channels you mentioned, but I also know, I mean, you know, I, you know, during hurricane season, you know, I look at all the Twitter accounts for all the utilities in the path of whatever hurricanes um, uh, being active. And I, I know you all have a Twitter account. I imagine you have Facebook and all that. Do you, even if it's not part, hooked into notify, are you still trying to coordinate the messages across social media as well? Uh, yes, we have, we actually have uh, a media center um, that's lightly manned during what we call blue sky days, mm-hmm. but, um, but they monitor all the Facebook traffic and any Twitters. And that's where we see complaints, feedback from some events and, and so on and so forth. So what we do is we work with the, with the media center folks. If they see notifications that are inconsistent, or that are that customers are complaining more loudly than others. They reach out to them. They let us know. We try to provide, make sure we have the right information, and they kind of broker the follow-up communication with customers. So it doesn't leave customers frustrated and angry uh, about you know what's going on in terms of restoration uh, information. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, in what often overlooked is early in the storm, I mean, the storm is still running through our service territory, like a thunderstorm, for example, and it's an hour into the storm, people are starting to already complain, my power's out, why aren't you guys here? I mean, we're still ramping up, we're still moving forward. The media center will then try to intercede and say, hey, 
here's our process roughly. Here's what we're trying to do. We're working on trying to get our crews assembled and, and assess the problem and then get your lights back on as soon as possible. But they kind of intercede and help specifically address some of the more frustrated customers and kind of reassure them that we are working, we are trying to uh, get the power back on as quickly as possible, but then have them through an education process uh, communicate that to customers who are screaming or at least screaming within social media the loudest. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's a really broad mandate for your media media teams. I, I mean, I imagine they're doing like kind of general information for your entire customer base and then doing direct messages maybe or responding to individuals as well. That's um, Right. And and so what happens is it's it's kind of a lively uh, group when when there's a, a major storm event or even, you know, like Fourth of July weekend, there's, you know, uh, thunderstorms moving through the area. We had uh, we had spotty outages in certain areas with, around our service territory. They're kind of working and trying to communicate those impacted areas. Maybe it's a little bit more customer service and more customer touch through the media channels as opposed to the traditional methods of customer self-service through our online customer care or just a call to the uh, a call center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh... I'm more familiar with the notify side of things, but this um, this one-off, like you say, customer, um, individual customer touch, that's, that's really uh, interesting to know about. Yeah, and it really helps us, you know, validate uh, and, and make sure that we're communicating properly. Um, one thing we do in a major storm event is we use the outage map and the alert banner to communicate here. Here are the impacted areas. And if it's, say, South South Atlanta that's been impacted by a you know an ice storm or something to that degree, we, we will actually provide ERTs or what we call area ERTs, which specifically say for South Atlanta, we will have the last customer back on who can receive service back on by Tuesday at 8 p.m. And but if we're missing a specific area the media center can help us validate, hey, we've got customers who are experiencing a large out, uh, number of outages in uh, southwest Atlanta as well, and we will update that information with feedback from our media center to make sure we communicate that to customers. So it helps us not just through the automation process, but it helps us kind of uh, you know, lightly survey the customers to make sure that we're communicating enough detail to provide them the information that they're seeking, which is when are we going to get the lights back on? Well, I think that that's great because I know that's a lot of these messages that you're sending out are like one way and, you know, you always want feedback. And I, I had never thought about that. Your, your media center or customer service reps could be an active part of giving you feedback on how, how you're communicating. Right. Cool. And, and so it's kind of like a little triangle. I mean, we have our outage communication team, uh, which is myself, and doing major events, we have five, five or six folks who help out, um, and then we have the media center, and then we have our uh, call center as well. So we get all the different feedback. We kind of share it um, in terms of specific details or highlighting what we're communicating. So again, even though it's more of a manual process, 
we're trying to be consistent with the message and with the details so that if a customer circles back with an update or seeking updates and additional information, the message is consistent even if they call or get or communicate with some someone within from a different area of our company. So oh, that's great. Uh, I, mean, I love doing these kinds of interviews because I get to kind of learn some of the inner workings of how, you know, an organization works. And I really learned a bunch of things on this today. So uh, I'm going to go maybe do a, a little historical survey. So I'm curious to know, uh, you know, maybe let's say how long you've worked with um, Outage Communications and Georgia Power or how long Georgia Power has been doing it. And then kind of how you've seen Outage Communications change over those years. Um, you know, from the past until to the present. Okay. Uh, from Georgia Power perspective, um, we started using uh, the outage map first and notify uh, in late 2012. So that's, what, eight years now? I guess it was about 2017 that we uh, started revamping our messages, trying to, uh, again, simplify or make it clear and consistent. Um, and again, we base this on customer surveys. So we survey every couple of years, we survey customers on outage communications, how we're doing, what we're doing, and getting feedback. We even, in the survey itself, sample some potential change changes to the messages and see how the customers like that. So that gives us feedback we're on target or off target, or they really don't care, you know, that kind of thing. We kind of gauge that, and then we just tweak and adjust uh, the messages uh, moving forward. So for those, uh, interrupt, uh, for those sur surveys, do you attach them to messages that are going out anyways, or, or do you, is it like a whole separate campaign where you contact people? It's a whole separate campaign that we, mm -hmm. we have. We have a base, I think it's about 3,500 or 4,000, uh, customers, and we survey them, survey those customers for a variety of things. It's not just outage communication, but we get we get one survey, a, one survey. I think the, the customer base is really surveyed once a month, and outage communication gets one month out of the year. So uh, we kind of look at that information, kind of get, uh, you know, we experiment with some ideas that we have. And then we just kind of gauge uh, the feedback from the customers to make sure that we're we're on target and we're more relevant in terms of the communication. Yeah, that's, that sounds really cool. Um, I'm curious if if over those eight years you had noticed a difference in what drives your company's interest in in outage communication. Because what I'm what I'm getting at is I know like when Superstorm hit, Sandy hit like the Northeast, so we have customers up there. Um, they were highly motivated by the utility commissions to communicate better uh, with their customers. You know, and then over time, you maybe you have different drivers. So I'm curious if you've seen over these eight years, has the driver for doing outage communication changed? Um, not really the driver. I think the expectation from the customer is that we're going to communicate. Um, I mean, part of the thing for us is our internal folks We'll, you know, put a cause, maybe, maybe not, and provide details. And in the past, they just, they just, the systems internally just said, okay, we've got this base message, 
and then they would put an ERT or not. Uh, one of the things we learned early on, probably with our first couple of storm events, is customers really want the ERTs. So we implemented a procedure where within a major storm event, you know, between 24 and 48 hours, depending on the size of the storm, we will communicate what we call area-wide uh, ERTs. And the area-wide ERTs are by county or by service area. We're going to have, we're going to target to have the resources on site and try to get the power back on by Tuesday at, you know, three o'clock. And so, uh, and then we target, we, we focus the resources to do that and try to deliver to that communication. So the ERTs is what customers want. The biggest complaint I hear even today, and media center folks basically run this by me all the time. I've had an outage. It's been two hours. How come I can't get an ERT or in their terms, tell me when the power is going to get back on. Mm-hmm. So uh, they want to know, and they want to know it quickly. Um, it's difficult to do because customers, now that we have in the COVID situation, they're sitting at home. So now they're really impacted. They have nothing to do. Uh, they may have uh, limitations to you know the charge in their phone or their other device. So they are frustrated and, and it's hot here in the South this time of year. You know, it ad, even adds to it. So that our communication is, is key. The expectation is as soon as the power goes back on, they want to know an ERT. We don't necessarily have the ability to initially within an hour or so of a large storm event predict when we're going to get that back on. But we do have procedures to kind of walk them through. And we try to specifically target a couple of hours for say a thunderstorm event to have ERTs or, and or the lights back on, but at least ERTs out there. And then we communicate those details to customers to help satisfy their, their expectations. But it constantly gets shorter and shorter and shorter the expectations from customers. So that's, I mean, we can't eventually get to the point where the power goes out and we can immediately get it back on. But that's really what the customer's expectation is getting towards because we're, we're providing this kind of communication using Cooper's tools to do that. Mm-hmm. And the customers always seem to want more and more and more. And that's, that's a big, that's a big challenge that I don't know if we're ever going to be able to fix it, but we strive to try to improve and adjust and provide the information as soon as possible. Yeah, that's uh, it's not an easy problem to solve. You know, when I first started getting involved with impl- implementing Notify at utilities, um, to, you know, to me, like I'm, I'm a software engineer. Yeah, we're building this cool tool, but what really is is the utility making, in some ways, making their operations more transparent to their customers, and then you know, it probably triggers. Uh, I don't know you'd have to do a cultural change within your organization. And there's all these like non-technical things, it sounds like. So you're, you were talking about, you know, customer expectations, wanting, wanting the information quicker and sooner. And I don't know, more accurate. And, right. And in early on in 2012, and this is kind of funny, it's only 2012, but you know, the smartphone use and reliance on that, on that technology was much less than it is today. So, um, we didn't really have that many customers 
using it. Most of them were in the younger generation. Now they're, they're much older, but they have that same expectation and they just want more details. And it's, it's harder to, uh, meet those expectations, but we continue to strive to, to improve and, and, and get better with, with, with the added side of the communication. You know, we, even our internal folks don't necessarily like it because, you know, they're on the hook because I, I don't want to commit. I want to, you know, I just don't, I just want to put the default message and not an ERT. And that's just not acceptable to customers because in years past, no one saw the results of what they were doing and the customers didn't. And so, but now as they put it out there, then they know they're on the hook for, you know, meeting that particular target. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's, it's a different mindset and the different expectation, but we're, we're constantly working to strive to, to do incremental improvements. We're trying to improve it by providing more accurate ERTs in a timely fashion as, as one of our main focuses. Well, that I think that is a nice, is a good segue into the next question I was going to ask you, and you've probably answered most of it. Is like what kind of unique challenges, um, the challenges that are uni- unique to outage communications, uh, have you experienced? Mm-hmm. And it's, it sounds like uh, the customer's expectation of accurate and quickly arrived at ERTs is uh, is kind of unique to outage communications. Uh, it, it, it is, and then the, you know what also you know, comes out of this is, um, the different storm types, um, that's, that drives communications and puts it on, you know, on, uh, in focus in in terms of customers. But, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, when we have an ice storm here in Georgia, we don't have a lot of snow. I mean, we get snow every couple of years type of thing. It's usually not very, um, it's not very uh, impactful. Uh, it is to driving and those kind of things, but by the next day, it's typically gone and roads are passable. Uh, but when we get ice storms, which is rain uh, that starts off as rain and then freezes on the lines, brings down trees and impacts our, uh, you know, electric service to our customers. That's a, a, that's an issue. We get the lines back up, another tree falls, they go back down. And so it's, so our messaging and our communication from an outage perspective kind of differs for each kind of storm event. And we've kind of realized that. And so procedurally, we, we just manage and we try to communicate um, different um, information to customers that is applicable to the kind of storm event that we're, we're experiencing or the customers are experiencing. Uh, and so we try to accommodate the, the those changes and the, the expectations to customers uh, based on the storm event, which is a little different than uh, just hey, we're just going to send you this outage message and we're we're going to update it or not, or send you a restore and we're not, you know, uh, those kind of things. So it's a little it's a little bit different. And we're in, like I said, it's just a slight incremental change in terms of how we communicate and what we communicate to customers mm-hmm. to have them better understand what we're trying to do and we're try- how we're trying to better serve them in terms of communicating outage information. 
Yeah, but you're but you're being more empathetic or more aware of you know like you say even the, the storm type you're more aware of the the thing that's happening to your customers and you know slightly tailoring your messages a little bit based on their experience. I think that's, that's right. Really I mean, I mean, for example, I mean, and I use this a lot, and we can get we can rope in the the media center folks to do this, but to advise customers that if you're going to leave your house because you have, it's a ice storm, it's cold outside. And, um, as you leave, turn your front, front lights on, you know, one of your neighbors may be able to see that the power that, you know, if you, they call, if they call their neighbor and you look out the window and see if, Hey, the lights, the front lights are on. Hey, you, then you have power. You know, right. those kind of simple things, but, how do you communicate? We can't really communicate that in a message, but where we offset that um, is through the through the media center folks using Twitter and Facebook to kind of communicate those specific details of a specific type of storm to customers so they know, hey, I'm going home, my light power is back on, and I've confirmed it. So we've talked a lot about challenges and you've, you know, you explained really well how, you know, you're, you're tweaking your messaging and how you're uh, learning lessons um, all the time. I'm curious if there's any successes that you like to call out in, in terms of your outage communications program, things that have worked really well for you that, you know, that you're proud of and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I guess it's, just like the, the problems we're trying to solve is an incremental, um, you know, the fact that we're getting closer to, um, you know, communicating to all our customer base. I mean, right now, I think we're, we're anywhere, you know, in the 400,000 range in terms of total customers uh, signed up to, for outage communication. Mm -hmm. um, we've, We've got some a new initiative in place to actually start signing up all our residential customers for outage communication. Um, so it's it's finally gotten the focus. Before uh, internally to the company, no one really wanted to you know address outage communications because it wasn't wasn't that big of a focus. But now it is. For me, the first time I woke up during a um, winter storm event and I turned on the news and it was like five o'clock, five thirty in the morning, and behind the anchors, sitting at, at their at their desk was our outage map mm -hmm. displayed with all the outages that were impacted by all the customers in the city of Atlanta. And it was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea, you know, and that it would even get to that point. But now it's kind of it's kind of an expectation that it gets shown, displayed, discussed, talked about by the media using our um, our channels of communication. Other successes is our use of the alert banner. Um, early on in the storm, we started taking a an aggressive perspective of putting more details in the alert banners. Um, some of our peer utilities would use their outage maps and put you know, one or two lines of, you know, we're working on trying to assess the problems and we'll give you an update uh, of when we can. And we would provide um, 
you know, overall details in terms of what our crews are, we're assembling, how we're doing things. We give them a link to sign up for notify right there from the alert banner. Um, and we keep those details historical. So I have a running catalog of prior to a major storm event, early in the major storm event, uh, mid storm event type of messaging. And then, you know, uh, later in the storm event type of messaging. And then, um, and then, you know, a final, I have a list of probably 20 final messages that we communicate to customers. And, and so we have all these message, message details. I post them, I share it within our, our, uh, media center folks, our corporate communication folks, our storm center. Everybody has an input that we tweak and adjust it. And then, uh, we communicate it out to customers. And so those are little successes that, you know, have been helpful because the feedback from the customers has been positive because we're communicating more information when they need it. And that's always when they're out without power. So. Right. That's really timely. Yeah. I like your, 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 your concept of like a message catalog. So you, so you don't have to think about it necessarily on the fly. It's, it, and these are messages that have been tested obviously by just by uh, real life events and uh, customer feedback. Well, we're, we are getting close to the end of our um, uh, episode here, but I just wanted to uh, ask you one final question, and this has to do with the future. You know, are, are there, do you have upcoming, up, does Georgia Power have upcoming plans that you're able to share in terms of like the next steps for outage communications? Where, where are you going next or what kind of things are you exploring? Um, well, I think right now we have a committee in place uh, looking at revamping all the messages um, and that means making it more consistent, either simplifying them or, um, or enhancing some of the descriptions or causes of an outage. Um, and that's, we're using customer survey information as one of the inputs. And then we're looking at a, a new cross-functional team who's not really been involved, uh, with those messages. Um, uh, that's, that's kind of underway at the moment. Uh, it's early in the process, so um, that's one of the one of the key things. And I think for us is moving towards implementing some sort of planned outage communication, where we have our field engineers who are going to schedule an outage, have the resources, do communications where we can do a communication possibly a week out, um, a day ahead the morning of, or if there's an emergency type of outage, hey, we're going to cut your power, you know, for one hour, and it's going to start in 30 minutes, that kind of communication to potentially a small segment of impacted customers, say, on a small street, you know, we have to cut the power, we have to make these repairs, uh, and then we do that communication more proactively. Um, that's, I think, one of the big things that we're we're also trying to look at is how do we do that? Um, I mean, we're going to use Notify to do that kind of communications, but how do the messages need to be crafted? What do we need to say? How do we manage it? What happens if we cancel an outage? Do, how do we do those communications? We're all trying to figure that out. And to further improve our customer satisfaction and meet the expectations of our customers. 
Yeah, I think those are some some great plans, and they um, and I can tell kind of by that trajectory of what you've been doing for the last eight years. You know, constantly trying to get that feedback from um, the customer and then try to tweak it. Um, that you know, there's going to be great things that um, um, on the horizon for you. If I were to do a word cloud, um, I was keeping track of some words here that kind of uh, kept recurring in our conversation. Uh, simplification and consistency seem to be right up there. And I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, we haven't actually interviewed too many customers. I think you're only the second like uh, utility that we've interviewed. And I, I think we need to do more of them because it's great to hear what, what you're doing. Um, so, I, uh, John, I do appreciate very much that you took the time to join us here. And uh, I hope we can actually meet again live at the next iConnect event instead of uh, doing these uh, these remote chats. So thank you for joining and sharing. Well, you're very welcome. I mean, I'm glad to share. Uh, hopefully this provides other utilities with some insight and also for your for your folks. And, and I do thank you and uh, all, the, all the folks at Kuber who have supported us in the past and continue to support us. Uh, you know, they're, they're listening. They're helping, they're making adjustments, and they're helping us do a better job of communicating to our customers. So I really appreciate uh, your, the whole company's help uh, in terms of improving our communications to our customers. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. And hopefully uh, we'll continue that journey together. We're looking forward to it. That's all for Experience Better, the CX podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send us your questions and continue the conversation with us on Twitter or Facebook at KubraWay. That's K-U-B-R-A-W-A-Y or on LinkedIn at Kubra. Experience Better, the CX podcast is presented by Kubra. I'm your host, Alfred Sawaski. Goodbye for now. I hope you experience better.